Ordinary Fellowship is a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations will offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. I'm Jeremy Lee, and as always, Matthew McLaughlin is with me. Hey, Jeremy. Uh, Hello, Matthew. Today, Easter is coming up, and so we thought it good to discuss the importance of the resurrection. Just the very mention of Easter causes two controversies. (laughs) One controversy is our brothers who believe that because of the regulative principle, it shouldn't even be observed. And I mean, my heart's with them. Um, I, I, I would rather follow the liturgy of the Bible that says six days you work and the seventh day you rest, and that's the day to gather. So my heart's with them. But everybody else is going to be talking about it, so we want to we want to put our thoughts in. It never hurts to discuss the resurrection. And then, then the other controversy is that we dare to call it Easter because supposedly the word Easter and the, all the hol- holiday celebrations um, come from paganism. Now, none of that's true, but, you know, People get on me for calling it Easter and say we're supposed to call it Resurrection Sunday, but the problem with that is the word Sunday is named after a pagan god too, so, you know, what are you going to do? Yes, these are all valid points. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, a lot of people think the rabbits and Easter eggs all come from paganism, and and they don't. <laughs> rabbits, uh, there are pi- pictures from medieval times with rabbits in their holes, they symbolized the resurrected Christ. Eggs, the hard-boiled eggs were when they practiced Lent. That was what you broke broke the fast with on Easter Sunday. So eggs became associated with the celebration of Easter. And maybe pagans did things like that too. And, and certainly there are some elements of the Easter celebration that don't come from Christian sources. But anyways, enjoy your Easter eggs and your candy, and don't be a grumpy Gus. Yes, not being a grumpy Gus is always a good <laughs> thing. Obviously, uh, the resurrection is more important uh, than rabbits and Easter eggs Correct. and candy. Correct. So, let, let's talk about the resurrection. So we want to spend some time just talking about the resurrection, and the way we want to do that today is we just want to focus on one chapter of Scripture and kind of walk through it, and that's 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is probably the most famous chapter when it comes to speaking about the resurrection, and there's three points we want to talk about. The first one we want to talk about is, well, the title of our podcast, The Importance of the Resurrection. We want to look and listen as we read the first nine verses of 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel, which I preached to you, which you also received, and which also you stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and that he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, 
then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. All right, so th- this this passage clearly sets forth the value and importance of the resurrection. Um, I think there really are three things that we can say, and Matthew, you feel free to add in anything of importance as well, but um, first, the reason that resurrection is important is because it's an aspect of the gospel by which we're being saved. Paul says in the very first two verses that it's the gospel that's saving us. And then in verses 3 through 4, he mentions the gospel, and the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's an aspect of the gospel. And that that leads to two other important things. It Number one, it must be historically true for sinners to be saved. The resurrection must be a fact of history or no one can be saved. And number three, in order to be saved, you must believe in the resurrection. So the resurrection then really, what Paul is saying is it's central to the gospel, it's central to the Christian faith, and he'll more clearly say this in the later passages, but it's it's important. He says at the very beginning of this, now, no, in verse 3, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. This is a high priority. It's number one, one of the most important truths. In our last episode, we talked about theological triage, and sometimes we as we said christians disagree about where what doctrines should go on which level of the hierarchy but there should be no disagreement about the resurrection cuz paul says here in verse 3 very plainly that it's of first importance to deny the resurrection it is to deny christianity altogether and so what we celebrate at easter and those of us who observe the christian sabbath uh, we or the Lord's Day, we are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and it is central to Christianity. That's why Easter to those who celebrate it is such a big deal. Uh, that's why the Lord's Day is a big deal, because it's an every Sunday reminder of this is the day that Christ rose from the dead. This is the day our Savior began to reign in heaven. So it's it's vitally important. You as as we're going to talk about more in a little bit, to do away with the resurrection undoes Christianity. Right. I think that's which we'll talk about here in a minute, but I think that's the most important piece for us to remember as we begin. That the central distinguishing tenet of Christianity is that Christ arose. Because you look at any other religion, it doesn't hold to a, to a resurrected God or a resurrected deity. So you can pick it, you can look through it, it doesn't exist. But in Christianity, what separates us is our belief 
in the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and then he now sits at the right hand of the Father. So you have to hold to it, and it's it's so important, but it's also something that if we're not careful, we can kind of gloss over and not understand the importance of it and just take it as this fact that's true, but okay, so what does it mean? Which hopefully when we get going a little bit deeper into our podcast, we're going to explain why it's so important for us to believe in the resurrection. And it, we need to be careful too, because I think a lot of people misunderstand this in some level. The resurrection and ascension of Christ go together. Correct. So it's not just that he raised from the dead, and it's that he raised from the dead and he continues to live forever. Right. To, de- to never die. What helped me to really see how crucial this is, is you remember when they um, supposedly discovered the tomb of Jesus and his family? Yeah. And, of course, Christians were saying, well, that didn't happen because he rose from the dead and blah, blah, blah. He didn't really die. Well, the people that were finding this was say, were trying to say that this doesn't have to destroy your faith. Jesus could have um, been raised from the dead and then went on to have a family and die a natural death later. But that's not what Christianity teaches. It's not that he rose from the dead and then lived a normal life after that. It's that he rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father to rule and reign and to live forever. That Christ is not dead today. These truths go together. The point of the resurrection isn't that Jesus rose from the dead once, and this is a great miracle. The point of the resurrection is Christ rose and is still alive today and reigning from heaven, and will one day make a new heaven and new earth where he will reign uh, all over the earth and his glory will be known. Right. So this is why first thing we want to make sure we understand is the importance of the resurrection. But that leads us to the second thing we want to consider on this episode, which is what is the consequence of no resurrection? So Paul says in verse, starting in verse 12, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God, because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we all have are of all men most to be pitied. This does this passage does tell us in black and white terms the consequences of denying the resurrection. Now, Paul's situation is a little different than ours. The objections were coming because of Greek philosophy that they didn't believe in in the resurrection of the dead. And when they talk about resurrection of the dead, they're not in this passage. Uh, it's not. For example, when it says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? That no resurrection of the dead means the resurrection of all people at the end of time. It's not just referring to Christ's resurrection. So they're 
these these folks are denying that there's any resurrection at all for anyone. And what Paul is saying is if there's no resurrection for anyone at all, then Christ didn't raise either. And this is this all comes from Greek philosophical assumptions. Our problem today isn't Greek philosophy. Our problem is uh, a materialistic worldview that doesn't grant that there's anything other than a body. And, and so we run into materialism and science that says these things are impossible. And we're not... This episode isn't really about apologetically trying to defend the resurrection of Christ. So just to be brief, I will say that as Christians, we believe that God created the world by the power of his word. If God can create all that is, (laughs) he can certainly raise someone from the dead. So it really comes down to, is there a God or not? Uh, if there is a God, then there's no question that God is able to raise someone from the dead. So, And if you want further discussion about this, uh, not specifically the resurrection, but about miracles in general, C.S. Lewis' book on miracles is good, though it's difficult. I, I, he does a really good job of explaining uh, the problem with uh, uh, nat- materialism and naturalism. Um, so... That's a good thing to look for. And you can probably find it in your local library because C.S. Lewis is pretty popular. So, anyways, we're not here to really discuss apologetically. We, we want to talk about the value of the resurrection. So what are the consequences from this passage? Well, first of all, uh, Paul plainly t- says that preaching the resurrection is vain. It doesn't do any good to preach a resurrection of Christ if the resurrection from the dead is impossible. It's it's vanity. It does no one any good. It leads to false hopes and wrong ideas. It will not help you. Maybe it makes you feel good, <laughs> but it, that but ultimately it's a lie, and you're you're feeling you're getting good feelings from something that's not true. So. Preaching the resurrection is vain if there truly is no resurrection. Secondly, more dramatically, the New Testament witness to the resurrection of the Christ is false. The New Testament itself is false. And there are, there are folks who deny the resurrection of Christ who still value the New Testament as teaching good morality or inspirational kind of things. But the bottom line is the value and worth of the New Testament is is rendered very small if we deny the resurrection of Christ. That means the apostles cannot believe, be believed. They can't be trusted. The New Testament, can't. it just can't be trusted. What if if they get this central claim about Christianity wrong, then how can we really trust anything else? Paul doesn't say it in the same words I am, but he says we are in verse fifteen. We are even found to be mes- misrepresenting God because we testified about Christ that He raised, whom He did not raise. If it is true that the dead are not raised, Paul, when he says we, he's talking about himself probably his evangelical team members. You can include all the other apostles in that as well because their message was that Christ has died and risen from the dead. And if 
that was the message. It was the, their message wasn't try to be a really good person and maybe you'll make heaven one day. Their message was that Christ died for sins and was raised again from the dead. That was the message. If the resurrection is not true, then there is no message to preach anymore. Also, sadly, he says, those, in verse 18, those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. I mean, Paul is speaking about people who had already died at that point, trusting in Jesus Christ as the risen Savior. And he's saying that if the resurrection isn't true, those people are gone forever. They've perished. There's no hope of ever seeing them again. There's, they're dead. They're gone. There's no hope beyond the grave if there is no resurrection from the dead. And then finally, he says, I don't know exactly how he says it, but the point is, the final thing is that the Christian faith is untrue. The Christian message, again, I must reiterate, the Christian message is that Jesus died for sinners, was buried, and was raised from the dead. That is the Christian message. You, If you undermine any of those aspects of the history of the gospel, if you undermine any of those truths, you've taken away Christianity. There is no Christian faith if you take that away. So the resurrection is is of the utmost importance. It's it's if you deny it, you it's just as important as denying that there is a God to Christianity. It's that important. It's that central to the Christian faith. And this is you you talked about how Christianity is unusual because we our founder continues to live forever. But another way it's unique is that in a lot of religious traditions, the historical truths, the historical events, didn't even really have to happen in order for the religion itself to be true. So it's irrelevant to Buddhists whether Buddha really lived. It may be an interesting discussion to have, but whether Buddha lived or not, is it's really not going to change Buddhism. If you deny the historical facts, if you can undermine the historicity of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're undermining Christianity. You're taking away the foundations itself, and there will be no Christian faith after that. The his- History is important to Christianity. You can't just make it an inspirational religion, and some people try. Some people will say, well, Jesus didn't literally raise from the dead. He just lived forever in the hearts of his disciples. That's not the meaning of the words resurrection and to be raised. The word resurrection means to stand again. The word raised means to get up out of. <laughs> that Those words don't fit uh, for somebody being spiritually resurrected to live in the hearts of their disciples forever. The same Jesus that died was the same Jesus that appeared to his disciples three days later. That same Jesus ascended to heaven 40 days later, and that same Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven today, and that same Jesus will come again one day to judge 
as the Apostles' Creed says, the quick and the dead. Yeah, I think we really need to think through the ramifications that Jeremy have just, has just laid out of the consequences of not believing in the resurrection. Because I think to say it summarily, it would be it's like this. If I don't believe in the resurrection, if I don't hold to the resurrection, then that means that the Bible lied. If the Bible's lies, then how can I believe anything it says? And so therefore Christianity in and of itself collapses upon itself because as Jeremy has adequately laid out, it you can't separate the his, histor, historical fact from the inspirational message. You can't separate them. They have to go together because they're dependent upon each other. And so therefore, the consequences of not believing in the resurrection is to ultimately not have a religion. Well, you can have a religion, but not to have Christianity, to say it better. Right. And that this is what uh, James Gresham Machen argued in his book, Christianity and Liberalism, because the, the liberal or progressive Christians were denying these truths about Christianity, uh, like the resurrection. Um, they, they believe that uh, the resurrection doesn't have to historically occur, and, and the point Machen was making is you can still have a religion, but it's not Christianity. And so he was arguing that liberalism, liberal Christianity, was actually a different religion from historic Orthodox Christianity. And they may share the same names, but they aren't the same thing. And I think he's right. So do I. And I think that this is what Paul is doing. I mean, it's in, in black and white terms. It's thesis antithesis. It's, there's, no, there's no middle ground here. Uh, it's either true or it's false, is what Paul seems to be arguing. Now, Paul goes on to say, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. So Paul is adamantly affirming that Christ indeed rose from the dead. And in the first part of the chapter, not only did the apostles see him after he had been risen, uh, but so did uh, 500 or more people see him. Um, and Paul witnessed these people as saying that some of them are still here with us, as if you could go ask these eyewitnesses what they saw. So Paul, Paul is holding adamantly to the resurrection, and it gave it gave him hope. He goes on in this chapter to talk about or discuss the theology of the resurrection. And then in verses 35 to 57, he talks about the resurrection of all the dead. Because but the Bible teaches that it's not just Christ who raised from the dead, but all who believe in him will be raised. A lot of people have this idea that heaven is going to be just disembodied spirits floating around. But uh, the Bible actually teaches at the end of time that the bodies will be raised, reunited with their uh, soul, and they'll live body and soul uh, forever in the new heavens and new earth. And that's what we have to look forward to as believers, that this mortal body will put on immortality. 
and, and that's our hope as believers. This had great practical impact on Paul's life. when he, After he discussed the resurrection, he said in verse 30, Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And Paul's point is, why, why is he doing all the hard things that he's doing and facing all the persecution that he's first facing if he's just going to be dead and that's it? He should just be enjoying life, eating and drinking and being merry, because he's going to die. But Paul believes that Christ did raise, and that means everyone is going to be raised from the dead. Some to be judged and to cast in hell forever for their sins. Others who are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ will be uh, join him in the new heavens and new earth. But, but the point is, the reason the resurrection from the dead, Christ's resurrection and the hope of the resurrection of believers tells us that there's it matters what we do now. Right. I think one of the things for us to, that is important to look at those two sections we're not going to spend as much time on is just the idea, Jeremy read the verse before, but we read it again, that, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. So the idea of first fruits is the idea that Christ is the forerunner. He goes before. Since Christ raised from the dead, we can then have assurance that if we that we too will be raised from the dead. If Christ has not, did not raise, if the resurrection isn't real, then we have no assurance that we will. But since Christ did rise from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father, we have every confidence now that by us placing our trust in Christ, we too will rise from the dead and will enjoy life with him forever in the new heavens and the new earth. That leads us to the third point we want to spend some time on, which Paul closes this grand chapter in verse 58, where he says, therefore, so on the basis of everything he's already said, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. This is Paul's summation point. This is his explanation that why the resurrection matters and not just why the resurrection matters on a theological level, but on a practical, on a daily level, as Jeremy just talked about, that since the resurrection is true, I have a responsibility to not give up, to not quit, that when life gets hard, I know that in the end, at the end of time, when my, whether that end of time is the end of my time or the end of time when Jesus puts to ends time, I will be raised from the dead. So therefore I contend so that I can I continue to strive and I don't quit. So what else Jeremy would you think do we need to understand from verse 58? Well, I think he talks about abounding in the work of the Lord and says your labor is not in vain. I I think a lot of people look at this and think okay, this means that the Christian things that I do, evangelizing training my children in the faith, um, coming to church, and those kind of things are things I do for God, so I need to continue to persevere in them because they'll be rewarded. And, and all of that's true. But that, I think, misses a large segment of our life. 
he says our labor is not in vain. Everything that we do, we do to the Lord. And so everything this should encourage us not in just our spiritual labors, but in everything we put our hand to. So at my job, at the factory that I work at, I ought to work as unto the Lord, knowing at the end of time, even that work will face the scrutiny of the Lord. Swiss watches are really good watches, at least at one time. I don't know if they're still all that. But anyways, they, they used to be highly valued, and and they were meticulously made. It was because the the people there that started making them were Christians, and they wanted it to the to be a great craft. Um, they wanted it to be made very well because they believed that the Lord would judge their work in at one time. And so they were diligent to make sure it was an excellent product because they weren't just trying to please the customer. They were p- trying to please God as well. And so it, the resurrection and the judgment that's to follow motivated cr- Christians to do well in whatever service or product that they were providing for their neighbor. So this isn't just about living for the future, pie in the sky by and by. It's it. This resurrection encourages us right now to continue to labor, knowing that your work isn't futile. And believe me, when you're working in a factory doing the same thing every day, seven days a week, you start thinking this is completely and utterly futile and worthless and no, a waste of time. <laughs> I know this from personal experience. <laughs> I think that's good. I think the other piece is if we if we would back up one verse, you go to verse 57, Paul says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in from that, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I think one of the things for us to remember on a practical level is Jesus wins. I think in the midst of life and just the drudgery and the futileness sometimes of life, we can forget that Jesus wins. And it might not seem like Jesus is winning today, but ultimately Jesus wins. And so that should both bolster us to continue the fight and also encourage us to not give up. To just reiterate what we talked about, the importance of the resurrection, it's important because it's a demonstration of what that Jesus did what he said he did. It's important because the consequences of not believing in the resurrection means that we no longer have a Christianity. And practically, we continue on always remembering that we continued the work that God has called us to because ultimately the resurrection is a demonstration that Jesus wins because he defeated the ultimate enemy, which is death and sin. We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, your comments, and even that dreaded hate mail at OrdinaryFellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship, and please like and give us a rating on the podcast platform that you use wherever you listen to Ordinary Fellowship. But for now, we thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we strive to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.